0: Welcome into Trailblazers here on SENZ. I'm Ricky Swanell. This is our final show for the year 2022. I know it's been a little bit hit and miss because I have been all over the place, but what a way uh, to finish Trailblazers for the year with, well, one of the women of the moment, one of the women of the, uh, the sporting calendar, Blackburn Kendra Coxedge. Welcome into Trailblazers. How are you?
1: Good,
0: thanks, Ricky. Thanks for having me on. Oh, as as actually, I was about to say, are you now? You're now officially former Black Fern, are you not? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Is that, what, is that what happens? You just get cut like that. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well, Maybe you still got a little more time next year when you're doing other stuff. We'll have to to add that on. But um, right, <laughs> let's talk about the most recent. Um, what have the the last few weeks been like um, since that World Cup win?
1: Oh, it's been incredible. Um, You know, like, it's been really cool to get out into, you know, Aotearoa and and share the cup and share medals with it with a trophy tour. And, um, you know, I'm going out to malls. I'm in the supermarket. I'm in the airport and, you know, people are noticing and coming up and saying congratulations shaking your hand. And what's really special, it's like all ages, um, all cultures, and, you know, it just kind of warms warms your heart and I think it kind of makes you realise what we're, just achieved as, as a team um, and that we've inspired a nation and it's been a really special couple of weeks post World Cup mm.
0: I mean this isn't your, your first rodeo it's not your first World Cup win um, why do you think this one is, has captured people so much?
1: I think mean, one just you know being, being in New Zealand um, and being able to play at home in front of family friends and, and, and Kiwi fans has, has been really special and then I think you know for us I mean the Blackburn's always been like this and we're just genuine people and um, it's really shown, um, I think, with the amount of media that kind of got on board and, and the people got alongside us has, has seen, you know, that we're just we're just human. Um, we, you know, what you're seeing in the media is what, what my teammates are and I think that's been really special and I think it's allowed um, for people to really connect with the team and, and fall in love with the Blacksons.
0: Yeah, because sometimes, like I know, people often ask me, is Stacey Flula always actually smiling? Like is she always that nice? Is so-and-so like that? And, and it's genuine, right? The, the Legit, this is how people are.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about her. She's, she's real annoying, basically. Um, <laughs> no, she always gets called annoying, but she is always smiling. Like, oh, yeah, everyone loves it, Gilda Bits, because she just brings such a good good energy. Um, and, you know, like, she's, she's she is actually always, always smiling no matter what. So she brightens up your day when you see her.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've been all around the country as you said on, on the trophy tour way better than just one old random parade in my opinion anyway but has there, has there been a highlight of of the time post World Cup or, or, or special moments that you've been able to share or um, have, have had over the last wee while?
1: Yeah I mean there's probably been quite a few like I've done a few guest speaking gigs in the last um, couple of weeks as well like I went into Ryman Healthcare and did a retirement village which was a really different approach mm-hmm. for me and you know, not inspiring the younger generation but inspiring the older generation and then like I had 65 of them in a room and, um, you know, obviously that generation, you know, especially the males, never really supported women's rugby and I had a lot of them come up to me and and say they've never really supported it but they love the Black Ferns and um, they're just, you know, stoked at the way we've how we've played the game and it's really cool for me to, to hear that and that's been a bit of a highlight and... And then getting back to, to Tatalnaki and mm. and going back to my roots and, and sharing the the you know my medal and the cup with the with everyone back there uh, was also really special. There's nothing like taking you know a cup, um, the Nancy and and your medal back home and celebrating that with um I guess where I first started my rugby.
0: Has that been the biggest shift, do you reckon, the, that middle New Zealand, basically old white dudes, for, for want of a better term, old traditional rugby supporters? That's the people that have surprised me the most, who I've talked to a lot since and, and during, actually, who really got into this Cup.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the massive mindset change has been. Um, you know, we've always had the younger the younger ones coming through and the younger boys and younger girls, you know, and, but it's just the older generation and that's what really opened up my eyes over the last couple of weeks and you know as I said I spoke at a retirement home and then just even just walking down the street or at the airport I've I've got them coming up to me and just saying how much they love the black fans and love watching women's rugby more than than men's now and that to me is just that mindset change and it's it's awesome to be a part of that.
0: When you think back to all the players that that you have played with over the course of your your long career the ones that those those trailblazers have you had um, contact with those kind of people and what it's meant to them?
1: Uh, no, I'm, I probably just haven't even really had a chance yeah, to do yeah. that and you know, like I, I spoke to a few of them the night after the final and um, you know, they're absolutely blown away and, and so supportive of it but like, you know, I'd be so keen to sit down and actually have a conversation when I get a chance to, to do that and I know that you know, like Mona Lisa Codling, she was massive um, after that, that final, after the final she was talking to me and she was just absolutely blown away by it all and I know someone like Anna Richards was like, oh we'll never sell at Eden Park. And, I was the same too. Like I never thought that would happen, and then and then to do that was, you know, was something really, really special. And, um, and it's pretty cool, you know, for those ones that, are, that have paved the way, um, and for us to to really, um, you know, to dominate that and win the World Cup for them as well, not just for us.
0: Mm. It. As you say about not really thinking that it could happen, the sellout at Eden Park and the multiple sellouts at Eden Park, I was the same, a little bit cynical, I guess. Was there a point during the campaign or whatever that you thought, "Oh, we're on something here"? Not just you as a team, but the tournament as a whole, um, the way the country was was supporting. Was there a moment where you are like, "Oh, wow, this is this is going big"? Yeah, I think it was
1: that match, to be honest. Like that's how, that's how crazy it was. So. You know, for me being cynical and like working working in rugby and thinking they would never sell out and then the opening match there, what, 34,000 people there and, and swinging their poi, like for me, that was the real eye-opener. That was like, oh my gosh, like I remember walking out um, before I anthem them in the haka in that game and just going, holy heck, there's so many people here. Like I've never played in front of this many people before and, and just soaking up that, that little bit um, where you can and just enjoying that moment and, and then I got to do it again in the final with 42 and a half, and it just it stepped up again. And holy, like, there's just no words that can really describe the feeling that, that was out there. there. was obviously a lot of mixed emotions going on, but I just wanted to enjoy that. And, you know, after the game, too, like, I didn't even leave. Like, the lights went off at Eden Park before I even got into the, <laughs> the changing room. Um, you know, I was out there signing autographs and just wanted to spend every last moment in the black jersey and, you know, with the fans and, and enjoy that.
0: It, was it. I mean, from the from the outsider's perspective, the other teams, it wasn't just, I mean, obviously you guys are black fans in New Zealand, were well supported, but the way the other teams were embraced, did you get that sense from them too? I know, you know, people I've spoken to from other nations, sort of the way the tournament and, and uh, particularly up in Whangarei, how they were really looked after and, and really embraced by the community. Yeah,
1: and they loved it. You know, I've spoken to the, you know, for the English and the French and the Canadian girls and they were saying how cool it was here and, you know, because also, also being the been a host and living here, I'm like, oh, do you know? Do you like New Zealand? What do you think of it? And you know, they they really love their time here, and we're absolutely stoked the way that the fans got in amongst and supported them, you know, as well. Especially in Fungoday, you know, like the crowds that were getting up there were awesome for all games. And and you know, obviously, we had a lot of people travel over from overseas too, with obviously been restricted with COVID in the past. So, the, you know, with everything opened up, it was a time for people to come over and and, and you know get amongst New Zealand and, and see it and enjoy the tournament and which at the end of the day was a really, really well-run well, well run tournament.
0: It's funny yeah, how we all go, do you really like it here? <laughs> like, you hope everyone has yeah, a nice I time. Yeah, I know. Do you want to be here? Like, yeah.
1: There was a person I asked Emily Scout. I was like, do you like it here? Like, are you enjoying it? Like, I know the weather's been a bit average, but uh, like, but um, no, it seems to think, I think they all
0: loved it. Yeah, take take me back to take us back to that that final two weeks the priest the semi final and the final. I think you and I caught up about well, maybe three days before the semi, and I remember walking away from that thinking there was just this relaxed kind of aura about you and about the team that like the everyone who was coming in and out of the hotel lobby and all of that is that a reflection of what it was like it was just felt super chill and what would be would be
1: that is exactly what the vibe was like basically the whole time and and for me who's someone that's not fully used to that like I'm you know I'm usually pretty serious and and the way I I, I guess I get into the game I mean outside of it I'm all good for like I always have that I think you know we could have felt the pressure there was a lot of chat around oh you know World Cup on home turf um how you know in terms of the pressure that we're going to get and but I don't think we never felt that we just wanted to embrace it and for us it was about enjoying enjoying what we did um you know we had an environment where you know being courageous and expressing yourself was was, was huge and and I think you know like I we even had Dame Lisa Carrington come in on the day of the final and she goes to me like, I can't believe how relaxed everyone is. Mm. So you obviously felt that, she felt that and then even leading into the actual final when we're walking out for the anthem and the smiles on the girls' faces and me being in three World Cup finals before and the feeling of how different that was and you know, and the energy from just everyone just wanting to have fun and you know, I think that comes from being the underdogs really. Like we were so pressed the whole year about being underdogs, even though for me, I never wanted to have that because I know how successful the Black Ferns are, are being. But at the end of the day, it probably ended up playing playing into our hands a little bit in terms of whatever it will be, will be. And we just got to go out there, enjoy what we do and, and play the rugby and, and trust that we've done everything that we've, we've needed to do. Mm,
0: mm. Do you have you? have I mean, I know you haven't had a lot of time to breathe, let alone think much about or reflect. Have you? Have you watched the game back at all?
1: Um, I haven't watched the full game, yeah. but what I did the other day, um, I had a day, a weekend here, and I pulled it up because it was a it was in the um, the last lineout was getting shared <laughs> quite heavily again on social media. So I was, like, oh, I'm going to go back into the game and just jumped on huddle and and went to that last play and I watched and I just cried. Like, I literally oh. it sunk and then I literally was watching and the, I mean, there's no one home here. My flatmate was out and I was just sitting and I was just bawling my eyes out and I was like. <laughs> This really did happen, like, yeah. and just absolutely stoked and proud of of what we've what we achieved. But I think I I do want to watch the game, and I and I will um, probably have a Christmas and New Year after you know a rainy day or something. Just get it out and watch it and and go through that again because every time I hear it and go through it, like I did an interview this morning with Duncan Gardner and you know they replayed that last line out and hearing that, and I was just like, I got goosebumps and emotional just listening to that again. So. It's, um, it's definitely hitting in and, and you know, the goosebumps and that are still there. And right. it, if anything, we're still on cloud nine. You know, we're still riding a wave and we're
0: still on a high. Do, do you um think about any of those kind of like sliding doors moments? What if Caroline Duran kicks that penalty? You know, <laughs> what if what if um, there's no sending off in the final or they don't see that, that Ruahe in fact didn't get a touch on that, you know, that kick into touch or anything like that? <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a lot that goes, you know, that goes through your head. And even in the moment, you know, there's... The kick um, in the semi final yeah. and being you know been a leader in the team. I was already flicked the switch on to If she gets this, I went you know I went to Gossy and I was like you know you need to get up. We're going to, have to do a short kick and you're going to have to get it back. We're well, not even sure if there's going to be time left. And then I was like, if she misses them, I said Ruby, come and ask me a question. And we're rumbling, which is like our pick and go. And I said yeah, even though I didn't really want to do that because we'd lost every third rumble we'd done in that game. So I changed it at the time just to go into like two pods off the nine. Um, so Ruby said to me she's like you said we were going to go wrong well I was like I don't care I couldn't like we be losing it you know and then I'm turning around and I'm looking at the post and then all of a sudden I'm going shit it's not meant to end this way um, this is not how it's meant to end and like you know I'm going this, my, this could be my last you know like not last game because obviously we'd have been playing a week later but it just wasn't meant to end that way and you know and Obviously, my, with my nephew passing away, I was, I was praying, I was like, oh, my God, please, Geordie, just, you know, how missed the kick. And then, um, you know, speaking to Pip Love and, and Sarah Goss, who both lost their mums, they were doing exactly the same thing. So, um, and then all of a sudden, the kick's being hooked to the left, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she's missed it. And then, you know, then Kennedy's got the ball, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's running like she's going to drop it, hold on to it, don't do anything silly, just carry. Um and then yeah, just directly in the forwards, that the last you know i guess 30 40 seconds to be able to kick the kick the ball out it's just still so fresh
0: in the oh my gosh! It actually, like gives me goosebumps thinking about it, and <laughs> and a little bit of the heebies as well. Remembering that last twenty seconds or so. Oh my god! What yeah. what a blimmin' time it was. Are uh, we going to take a quick break here on Trailblazers on SENZ. My guest today. We are reminiscing of very recent history with Kendra Coxedge. Back in a moment. You're listening to SENZ, It is Trailblazers time, and my guest today is Kendra Coxedge. Black Ferns, great recently, will now officially uh, retired from the game after. That wonderful World Cup, win not that long ago, obviously, Kenja, it was to to get to the point of winning that final. So much happened; it was a roller coaster in probably the months leading up to it. When Wayne Smith came on board, what was your, I guess, your initial thought, sort of thought and reaction around that time and everything that was happening then? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, as you said, it was, it was a challenging eight months leading into into that World Cup, and then you know when Smithy come on board. I was stoked you know because I was like oh my gosh like he's like the greatest you know he's a professor he's coming in and he's going to coach the coach the Black Ferns, and mean you know, i'd heard I heard awesome things about him and um and for me I was I was just really excited I just wanted to soak that up and I guess for some who's a leader on the side and the last few years it's been quite heavy on us as leaders in terms of driving stuff on and off the field and then you know when smithy come on I felt like I um, uh, that was like almost like a bit of a weight lifted from from my shoulders, and I could just go back to focusing on on just playing the game and and being you know being a good halfback. And and um, you know, when he first came in, he goes to me, "All right, we're getting rid of box kicks," and I was like, "Oh, not sure how we're going to get on here." <laughs> um, but that was the first thing he said to me, and you know what, well, I actually agreed with him. And that um, you know, because the whole box kicking, contesting for box kicks in the air, it's not really a massive thing in a women's game in terms of distance and height, and so all my kicks, you know, I tend to do a lot of um, territory or you know, tactical, technical kicks anyway, um, and tops kicks more so than contestable box kicks. So it kind of suited me anyway. Um, and so I probably backed that, and and then you know, he just brought in the fact around like less structure, um, being able to express yourself, um, being courageous out there, and you know, we've got players on the team that probably actually, like say, like a little you know, like I think having less structure for someone like her has made her be the best in the world this year um you know like she wants she's one that just plays with what's in front and the game plan that we had allowed her to do that um sometimes if you add a bit too much structure on on teams um you don't actually see their natural flair um you know so he, he kind of brought that in and, and allowed that and someone like weasley clark um who, you know defensive he led a defensive space and it was incredible this year i thought he coached women well and you know the girls really enjoyed enjoyed him and, and had him in that space. And then you got you know Whitney Hanson, who always adds awesome value in her mannerisms and the way she kind of holds herself in front of the group is, is hugely important. And and then you got you know the ones outside of that as well, like the Chronos and 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 Ted and and um, Alan Bunting as well, who added their little bit of um, extra in there as well. So we had a great group of people around us. Mm.
0: Did it, I mean, through, through the Pac-4 series and the O'Reilly series, there were so many players used um, as I guess Wayne was trying to find who was the right ones in the mix and all of that. Did you have to kind of go along for the ride and really be very trusting that they were on the right track as a coaching staff, that they could figure it out? And I know they, they kind of tapped into other resources to make sure they were getting the right people involved.
1: Yeah, and, and, and for me, who's been around for a while, it took me a little bit to adjust to that. Like, I've got a real open, you know, growth mindset. and But, you know, you can get a little bit protective of, of the black jersey. And that was me. Like, I was like, what are we doing? We're just giving away jerseys. And, you know, I, I remember having that conversation. I actually had it with Renee Whitcliffe as well. We're like, what? Do we just give away jerseys? You know, like, that was quite hard to, to understand that. But at the same time, Smithy was in so new. He didn't he didn't know any players or know anyone. So he had to see them. And, what a better way to do it than see them at test you know, at test level, and you know, obviously, it worked in our favour. Um, I think they they chose the, the the best players at the end of the day, and for that World Cup, for that World Cup squad, and um and and I think that's what what was important at the end of it. You know, like I just had to be open minded uh, to that, and you know, I think even I read an article that Smithy actually wrote early on, even just about me as an individual and my performance on any year tour, and if I was even going to make the team. Um, you know, but I just, you know, having a World Cup at home, I just wanted to work really, really hard. And she, you know, had conversations with me and it allowed me to be my best and, and focus on what I needed to do as well. Mm.
0: How challenging was it then for, you know, for players that you had spent a lot of your career with, the likes of Elise Elder and Eloise Blackwell, who didn't make the cut to to not have players like that around?
1: Yeah, and, and I was worried about it, um, you know, because uh, I've been in the leadership group for so long and, and so a day and even through you know, originally with Renee Whitcliffe she wasn't mm. in there either. No Kala for no Chelsea Semple, like they're all leaders. They've always been around and always had them always had them yet there. So I had to take a bit of a, a an approach where I just had to let and help others grow in a way. Um, so it was very different for me. It was it was challenging to start with and um, there is a new way of doing things and I had to be open-minded around that as well. And having a new group, you know, a new set of leaders come in, the likes of Alana Bremner and Kendra Reynolds and um, and Hazel Truebick, you know, there was, it was a different approach, but it it also helped me, I guess, open up to to doing things a little bit different. Um, But also wanted to make sure we held on to some traditions within the site as well that had been there from the start and, you know, I did get a little bit probably defensive at this, you know uh, you know I guess halfway through the year around certain bits and pieces, but it also was understood because we we wanted to change, but I don't believe we needed to change everything uh, because traditions are important in a, in a team like the Black mm.
0: Going back to I guess that interview tour and, and how these changes therefore came and how much of what happened during that tour post that tour and then the review did, did you and, and Liz really have to absorb at that time?
1: Yeah, it was, it was challenging, you know, and like I know that it was it was tough not having those girls there, um, and you know I spoke to them a lot throughout the throughout the year. But um, going into that that review um, was really challenging time for us as leaders, and and having to have some really tough conversations and, and forcing and wanting change within within the management and within the group. And um, you know, we, we probably took a lot on, and it took a lot out of us. Um, so you know, over summer went last year, it probably didn't really get to relax too much um but it was nice that hopefully this this summer i I can do that and actually fully switch off but um i just hope people really realize that what lizalda you know what she what she actually done for the side you know she she had a lot of tough conversations that she needed to do and i supported her wherever she needed it and um you know she's an an awesome person and i know it was going to be you know when she didn't get sleep i knew it was going to be really tough on her um but she also is you know she's a positive person and yeah, she still got it amongst it. I thought that was really cool when she was on the Sparks Walk yeah. Crew, um, you know. And she, what she's done for the side as well, has is been has is been hugely respected.
0: For sure, mate. She's like the gutsiest woman out there. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned too, around the time of the end, or during that end of your tour, is when you lost your nephew, Geordie, suddenly. And, and I know how tragic and hard that is on your family. How did his passing um, not affect your game, but I guess change your mindset towards this final year of your career? Yeah, and, and
1: it really did, actually. You know, I was unfortunate, and um, unfortunately, it happened on the end of your tour. And, um, I think for me it, it weirdly gave me this motivation um, you know to do my family proud and and to do him proud and it was really tough at the time to go through that and not be able to get home with with COVID and and get to his funeral with my family and you know and then having to come home and then spending day you know days in MIQ um, but then coming out of it and over over summer and you know his birthday was just post-Christmas as well so we got together a lot as a family and um, my, I just felt, you know, with the way that my family were feeling that I had to, you know, I had to make them proud. And the way to do that was to, you know, to train my butt off and, and make a World, World Cup squad. And so that's why, you know, I guess throughout every, every win this year and even for Canterbury as well, you know, they all came down and surprised me for my 100th game in the final game. And, you know, they've been there, you know, my family's been there since I, you know, since, since Day Dot. Um, they've always supported me and been my rock. and and then obviously that World Cup final was a, a year since he had passed away. So, um, you know, to win that game and, you know, I guess to, to hug my family afterwards, there was a lot of tears. And I know how much, how proud they are of me and how I know how much Jordy would have loved to have been there as well. But I also felt that he was with me the whole time too.
0: 100%. My guest on Trailblazers today is Kendra Coxedge. We'll be back in a moment with a little bit more on SENZ. Welcome back into Trailblazers here on and I'm Ricky Swanell. I've been chatting today with uh, not one, not two, but three time World Cup winner, our most capped Blackfern, Kendra Coxedge. Let's go like back a little bit further. We've obviously been chatting about this most recent World Cup, but obviously you grew up in the NACI, but I want to kind of look at those Canterbury days and you moved down there because that's where, you know, this has been kind of like the, the, the backbone to your career. What was that move like um how did you establish establish yourself from canterbury
1: yeah i mean it was obviously you know i guess coming down to, to study at lincoln university originally on a on a cricket scholarship um and, and and you know playing a bit of cricket too and just playing a bit of rugby silently on the side um at the time i don't think they knew i was playing rugby and <laughs> and then getting selected for the blackburns and and then the New Zealand A cricket team, I had to, you know, make, make a decision. But like, what was really cool through school, and that was to play as many sports as possible. But I didn't, you know, and the fact that I didn't actually have to make a decision until my first year at uni. Um, and then, yeah, I made the, the cannery team first down here, and then, and then made the Black Ferns. You know, from there, I I was just in such an awesome environment down here. You know, there's something in the water in in Canterbury, um, you know, in the Crusader, you know, region. I guess it's, and I don't know what it is. And I was actually talking to Steve Lancaster, who's you know my boss at at work, and um, you know, saying that there is definitely something in the water down here, and and it's really special around, you know, understanding high performance and and leading by example. And for me, you know, Canterbury's been the backbone of of my rugby, you know, career really, um, and just I guess I feel like being, you know, like I guess playing with someone like you know Steph T. Hard Fox for, for so long, and you know she's been down here. You know she's she's not from here either, but um, you know there's just there's just that hard work mentality of of the group down here, and and for me I've been lucky enough to, to train with them, and um and it started from back when I I think 2008 I went into the, the Canterbury Rugby Academy um down here, who which was led by Matt Sexton at the time, and there wasn't a lot of females kind of floating through that. And um, so I got to train with the likes of, you know, Luke Whitelock, um, Sam Whitelock, and, you know, a few Jimmy Lynchies and a few other players that are playing super and, and moved on to All Blacks. Cody Taylor was another one. And, um, you know, I guess when you're training with the best every single day, um, you want to aspire to do that too. And I always had the motivation to, to be a great black fan. And, and then I just kind of continued my rugby. And I over the years, just, Working hard, and then um, you know there was a stage in there where I was the only black fern from Canterbury. Mm. Um, so it was you know quite interesting. I'd go to camps and, and fly off on my own, and and then there was a little wee group underneath the likes of uh, you know Alana Bremner, the Grace Brookers, and and um, you know Georgia Pontonby, and that there was you know chipping away later on underneath there. And and you know now there's there's what nine of us that are in the squad, and seven of us were at World Cup, and. For me, I just, it makes me really proud um, of, of what these girls have achieved and have kind of just led the way um, in terms of our, our culture down here. Um, I think it's hugely important in terms of that high-performance mentality.
0: Yeah. Like, I know you said, it's hard to actually put your finger on why there's been that success, but if you look from the, the women's side and the Farah Palmer Cup side, because for so long it was Auckland, 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 maybe a little <laughs> bit of a Waikato in here and then Auckland again, and then you guys changed that. What was the, was it 2016... 17. 17. That was the county's final, was it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah that, that was the first time we had won it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, what, from there, how did you always get the feeling that it was building to that or how that's kind of progressed?
1: <laughs> no, to be honest, <laughs> I never thought I'd win a Farah Cup title. Um, you know, I'd won, won clubs and I'd won a World Cup, um, but I hadn't won a Farah Cup title. Um, yeah. So, for me, that was. Um, I, I always knew there was like there was always great players coming through, and, and then we had some really good coaching group, coaching staff around us too. And you know, I think I probably didn't look bigger picture, but it probably always was the Marine Hawaii. Um, you know, the province is going to be great in terms of the women's space, and and Kerry Rugby's really got on board with supporting the women's team in terms of resource and stuff and you know now we've got some of the probably the top coaches in the country coaching us well we've got you know Blair Baxter who's just been named coach of the year mm. um you know coaching us with the likes of Whitney Hanson and, and Tony Christie and Sid our Media now as well so we've got quality groups and for us it's about like and I know this is massive with our coaching group it's about the player first it's about the off-field stuff and, and the culture and, and the, the person as a, as a person rather than a player um, which helps, I guess, excel in, into that on, the on-field stuff. Um, and I think that's what's been, what's been huge is in that drive. Probably from me, I've been pretty tough on the girls in the past at, at trainings and at fitness sessions about making lines and no shortcuts. And I've kind of driven those mm-hmm. kind of standards for such a long period of time that for me, and that was a big part of me retiring, is that the girls, it's ingrained in them now. And it was, it was ready for me to step away for them to kind of come through and, and take, take the charge on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Who who's had the biggest or who's been significant influences on your career?
1: Um, oh, there's just so there's just so many people that have that have helped, and you know, it starts with the, you know people in the who inspired me, and it's definitely been my family's my number one. You know, like my mum and dad allowing me to play at four years old with the boys and move up through the ranks with the boys until I went to you know New Plymouth Girls High, and I was never they never said I couldn't do it, and they always backed me, and you know my sisters always been the same, and. And then I've had a lot of coaches, you know, when I first started as, as a four-year-old, I, you know, Terry Corbett was my first coach and I used to run around on the field after him not knowing what it, what I was even doing, um, you know, but like most of my coaches um, allowed me to, to play with the boys and, and to enjoy it and then I guess coming through in the in the later, um, you know, when I've got like the likes of Blair Baxter and, and that and, you know, Glenn Moore was, was massive for me as well and, and back what I did as a halfback and... Um, I've had just, you know, my secondary school girls coach. That's I mean, amazing. I've had a lot of coaches that have just really backed me and supported. Um, I've been really lucky as just the, the one coach, I think, mm. when I used to play with the boys that, um, you know, wouldn't let me play because I was in the same position as his son, but I just found another way to, to play the game. But, um, yeah, I've been, been so lucky to have a lot of good people around me.
0: Have you had a chance to chat to Glenmore?
1: Uh, I haven't had a chance to chat to to Glenn yet. Um that's um you know, I definitely something that I that I want to do, um, especially being you know, been retired and um, you know, he was massive, you know, coming from the super rugby, you know, like all our coaches back then were first fifteen boys coaches and that uh, you know, they was they were good, but then when Glenn came on he just had that super rugby experience which just helped help the team grow massively um over the years and you know, and then obviously we've stepped up again which is which is exciting. So Let's see who takes over the director role next. We've um, got big, big shoes to fill there. But, um, yeah, I'll get in touch with Glen probably you know, maybe early in the new year.
0: Yeah, because he, he encouraged you to keep going, right? You were going to call – you were done after 2017.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was going yeah, to retire 2017, and he said, no, let's do one more, and we shop on it. Um, huh. You know, he said that I've still got more to give, and at the end of the day, I probably played my best rugby I've ever played in 2018, 2019. Um, and then yeah, and then still kind of continued that through the last couple of years and obviously it was super challenging. Um, thinking I was gonna be hanging up the boots and then the World Cup getting postponed a year. Um, you know, so it's five years of grinding away. Um, but it just feels so relieved now to, to be done and and to finish
0: the way we did. Mm. The coaching thing's interesting is that we often, you know, there there is an obvious lack of female coaches We finally, you know, you've mentioned Whitney Hanson, amazing, um, we're going to have a couple of super rugby picky female head coaches but at the same time, you know, you've had wonderful coaches like Blair Baxter, um, like Glenn, like obviously Wayne Smith, it's it's a tricky one in how you, I mean, I guess as a player you just want the best coach, right? Yeah, yeah, we do and like for me, like,
1: I know there's a massive tribe and I know in the future we'll have um, you know, we'll have four more female coaches coming through and there'll be a better pathway pathway for them. But you know, just, just currently like for me, I just want the best coach that's there and to me it doesn't matter if it, it's male or, or female. Um and you know, I, I think it's awesome now that there is opportunities for the likes of Crystal Carler, Victoria Grant and, and Whitney Hanson and that to be to be coaching, um, at the O picky level because it just gives them something and the only way that we're going to get a female coach to coach the Blacks in the future is by having opportunities for them. But Carly, as a player, I've always said, I just want the best best coach available. And then, either though, I finished my co- my playing career with, with the professor, um, Wayne <laughs> Smith, coaching me, which was pretty awesome.
0: He goes all right. Um, are you is co- coaching something you're interested in?
1: Yep, it is. It is. It definitely is. Um, I want, I'm keen to probably just 2023 just... Probably take a bit of a break away, you know, mentally to, to freshen up and then look at doing something in, in 2024. Um, but 2023, I'll probably pop down and help out and do some skills, you know, skills even just with Matatu or or Canterbury or even into high schools and in, in, in club level, just where I can, and just pop down and, and help out and, and be involved. Um But just don't want to have any kind of strict title because the oh, whole point of me retiring was to actually try and have a life <laughs> um outside of rugby, so... Um, maybe 2024. 20, I'm I'm keen to coach, and I probably I'm really keen to coach a boys team to start with. Um, just like an under 15, to under 16 boys team. Just because I feel like I've been around the women's space so long yeah. that I I feel like I know how they how they need to be be coached and it'll just be cool just to add that I guess, um,
0: you know, to the toolbox. Yeah, nice. We'll have one more quick break here um, on Trailblazers we are chatting to Kendra Coxedge back in a moment. We've been chatting today on uh, Trailblazers here on SCNZ with Black Fern's great Kendra Coxedge. It has been quite uh, a time, <laughs> it's fair to say, in the last, well, year in the last six weeks, in the last six months for sure. Uh, leading the Haka um, was that the Christchurch Test O'Reilly was that? Yeah, well? yeah, yeah, it was okay. Can yeah, just so that was. Yeah, run me through that and and that moment and um, I guess being asked to do it. How did that all come about? Yeah,
1: I, I, I um, yeah, it was quite interesting actually. Like it's 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 so bizarre thinking back. It's so clear in my mind. Um, so yeah, I guess the game being being in Christchurch and, and I knew it was going to be my last game and and some of the girls knew that too. I hadn't announced my retirement yet, but I knew it was going to be my last game in the black jersey. In, in Christchurch and um, you know, Ruhay and, and Arihiana came up to me um during the during the week of the of the, of our test here and we kinda of talked about it at a camp and I was just like haha, you know, laughing it off like whatever <laughs> um and then they seriously came up to me and said, Hey, like, we'd love for you to lead lead the hacker um this again and again I just laughed. I was like, nah, <laughs> no way And then like I, I kinda of went away and I kinda of thought about it and was like how cool would that you know be to to lead a hucker in Christchurch for my last game in the Black Jersey and you know I've done it for sixteen years um, but my biggest thing is that I wanted to give it the respect that needed and and I really wanted to do it well mm. um, so when I came back they were they basically got we had a, we had a practice with the team and they said oh all right we've got a new leader and I was like well, I hadn't agreed on this yet <laughs> um, you know but there was the best way to throw me in the deep end and. And during that huckle practice, you don't usually go like hundies. You usually just go nice and low key. You just work through the actions, you work through the words because there's girls that hadn't done it before. And, and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to have to go hundies because I've got to see one, if I can do this and two, if I can get the respect from the rest of the girls. Um, so I just went hundies and, um, I had to go full, full noise and I think I blew myself away and then blew the team away. And even the management were in the room next door, um, and they didn't even know it was me who was doing it. So once from then I had the confidence, um, to do it and you know, I kept getting reassurance from the likes of Adi and and Lou and, and the ones that were around me to, to make sure I did it right and even you know, as Victoria sabritsky enough to tell you she's one of the most honest people you're ever gonna come across. Mm-hmm. So when she came up to me and gave me a hug and was like, Holy heck, that was awesome. Um, so from then, I practiced in the shower. I practiced in the car. Um, you know, like every opportunity. And and then I didn't want to tell anyone. Um, I wanted it to just be yeah, you know, be a secret for everyone. So I actually messaged Steph, Te Fox, and Tito. Anyway, Kappa, my two good mates down here, and said, you know, do you think? What do you think about this? Because I've asked me to lead the hacker. Derek and I could do it justice? Kind of thing. And and they were like, yeah, hundred percent. When I had that backing too. Um, I was like alright I'm going to do it <laughs> and then it got to the captain's run day and I, and I did it, we had a few obviously people, family and friends come down and, and watch that and I didn't have any of my family and friends there at that time um, so that was quite cool and then um, yeah, it's to game day um, I wasn't actually too nervous but I think the fact that I've done it for 16 years yeah, um, helps. kind of kind of helped. Um, and then you're yeah, not telling mum and dad and just told one of my friends to record them and and obviously, it's had over a million views on TikTok now. Um, their emotion that they showed, and but man, it was it was awesome because it was also followed by an awesome epic performance of the team um, in Christchurch and on a beautiful evening. Um, you know, probably couldn't have asked for a better better game, um, which was really cool. But it was more the yeah the reaction from the parents that um mm. that was awesome.
0: Nothing like Marie and Pete from Taranaki being big on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they didn't even know what TikTok was and my niece my niece was telling them so their granddaughter was saying, Do you guys know that you're famous? And Mum's like, What? She's like, there's been a million people to look at you on TikTok and they're like, What is TikTok? Um
0: I've had to show them a little bit about about that. <laughs> oh, so good, so good. Um, so as I said, you you feed under the desk at the, at the the day job, which is working for New Zealand Rugby and the community team. I mean, as a as a broad view, I guess where do, where do you see the game at? What's the kind of work that you do in that community space, and and where it needs to go.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I've actually kind of filtered back in there slowly in the last um, week and a bit and as you said, it's about getting my feet under the desk and just probably knowing how it's going to go next year. Um, I think I just want the provincial unions to be um, ready you know, for this influx of young girls and, and young boys that are going to want to play the game and um, you know, I've had a few conversations and meetings this morning around that, and um, everyone is saying that they you know every provincial union is like, we've got to make sure we've got you know I guess um, opportunities for girls to to play the game, um, and that's what's for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be epic next mm. year. So, provincial unions have already got plans in place, and that's part of my job is working with them around operational plans and implementation plans of what they're going to do in, in the women and girls space next year, and and work with them in, in terms of that and uh, it's just it, it excites me already that because uh, sometimes it can be quite a reactive thought from and that's not a bad thing that's just they're so busy so it's always like oh yeah all could be to this but the fact that already we're just about at Christmas and they're already talking about next year and, and what they want to run and what they want to do um, really really excites me and like we've got to have opportunities for girls to be able to enter any age and any stage next year. And not just girls. Um, that's obviously my space. I'm a woman's development, you know, participation manager for South Island, um, but also young boys.
0: Yeah. And, and what about now, I guess, as you can take a step back and, and look at what's ahead at the international and high performance level? What do you want to see from the success that is carried forward?
1: There's like this like we're still I still think we've got a big way to go. Um and it's I know I know it's been of a bit flick of a switch winning this World Cup at home and, and you know, we've had a lot, obviously a lot of media coverage around and we need that to continue. We need our fans. I think we need fans to still support a women's game, not just the black fans. We've got O fifty coming up, so we need you know, need people to get in and behind and and support that and then the same probably goes from a commercial kind of um space as well, as as getting in behind the women's women's rugby and the women's teams within you know, provincial unions, and and then it goes filters down to, to clubs, and making sure they're prioritising, you know, their women's team, and, and putting them on a, on a decent field, rather than on the backfield with no lights. Um, yeah. You know, we've already seen a change in that, but I feel like there's going to be there's going to be more change, and and then probably the biggest thing is, is we need games at home. Um, you know, the Black Ferns from that level need to be playing at, at home next year, so people can still get along and, and continue off the momentum that we have just had with with the World Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, 90 John Rugby's put on a bid to host this World 15 stuff, and I think that that would be a really awesome start to be able to, to I guess, lock that in and, and have teams come back here because, holy heck, we yeah we need to keep continuing from that momentum from World yes. Cup.
0: Yeah, rumours abound of that WXV um, happening here, which would be really, really cool. Uh, I mean, when you, um, I guess, sit back and, and reflect on it all, and I'm kind of making you do that now, even though you've got no time to have done that, Um <laughs> Is there one moment, one memory of of this time, this period at the end of your career that, that sticks in the brain? Um,
1: I probably haven't really got got there yet to be honest. I mean there's there's so many things across my whole career which have which has been which has been really awesome, but one thing that I honestly would never forget is walking out in front of forty two and a half thousand people, um, knowing it was my last game and just really soaking that up and been working in the participation space in my job, leading into that. I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh! I remember saying to Kate Sexton when she was my boss, like, I don't think how are we going to pull Eden Park? Like, mm. I don't know how we're going to do that. You know, because it was our role to obviously work with the provincial unions to to make sure there was hype in that space, and and then for me, it wasn't just me as a player, but it was me with my work hat on too, looking around the crowd, going, oh my god, we did it, um, and then to really. I guess, Jonah's hand getting in there um, and then me grabbing the ball and just kicking it out on that final whistle um, is,
0: yeah, is, is a highlight. It is quite um, the extraordinary finish to an extraordinary career, Kendra Coxedge. Um, I mean, we could be here for hours if they'd let us carry <laughs> on for sure. Two people <laughs> who hate a yarn, hate yarning about footy, but I mean, it has been, thank you to you and the Black Ferns for the ride that you have taken us all on this year. Um, and, and I'm sure we will be seeing so much more of you um, in the next wee while as well. Kendra Coxedge, thank you for being my guest on track.
1: No problem, Ricky. Thanks for your ongoing support. Um, We appreciate it as well.